Is your relationship with Instagram, well, complicated? Love it or hate it, this platform can have a massive impact on your business once you learn to master it. In today's workshop, we are demystifying the gram. I'm going to unpack everything you need to know from what and when to post to the lowdown on influencers and how to show up more confidently in Instagram stories. I'll be serving up a ton of easy, actionable steps that you can start taking today to turn Instagram from a joy-killing time suck to a fun, yes, fun, creative outlet and brand booster. You ready? I am. You're listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic is too small. Around here, we believe that taking imperfect action rules. So we're creating space for you to dive in and fast track your success one workshop at a time. Now, refill your coffee cup, grab your notebook, and get ready to join in on your weekly training, listen to meaningful conversation, and learn from industry experts. Here's your host, Kelly Lawson. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Kelly, and I'm thrilled to have you joining me for episode 007 of the Workshop Weekly Podcast, which is all about Instagram. 007. Isn't that James Bond licensed to kill? (laughs) Well, that's convenient because today we are going to learn how to kill it with your Instagram strategy. And well, everything you've wanted to know, we'll cover it today. Now, Instagram is one of my favorite topics, but I totally get it that it may not be yours. There are so many mystical and potentially frustrating things about it. The algorithm, the cohesive feed, the follow and follow game, the shadow banning, more on what that is later. But there's a lot to love too. For starters, the price. I'm here to remind you that this is a free platform and a free opportunity to spread the word about your business or your purpose in life. And it doesn't have to make you crazy. In fact, after tuning into today's episode, I think you'll have a better sense of how Instagram should fit into your life and your business strategy puzzle. Now, full disclosure, at the time of recording this podcast, I have exactly 8,176 followers and by influencer standards, that's pretty teeny. But I've done my fair share of learning by doing and learning by listening to experts. And I wanted to put all that together for you in one easy to understand episode. And part of that is that a bigger following is not always better. And we're gonna talk more about that later. So if you're wondering things like when to post, what to say, how to turn up your engagement, how to turn followers into customers. Today's workshop is especially for you. Okay, so let's get started first with Instagram engagement. Engagement is the first thing I want to cover because in Instagram and in most social platforms, engagement is the main ingredient, the name of the game, so to speak. And it's also probably the most frustrating thing about the game, if we're being perfectly honest here. Believe me, your pain points, I've had them too. That includes my fair share of shouting into the void and asking questions on social media that no one has answered. I've even deleted posts when I caught myself second guessing how I just showed up. I want you to know that if you're feeling frustrated by your engagement or lack thereof, I totally get it. I've been there too. 
Now, with that said, the more I found myself struggling with Instagram, the more I found myself recoiling from it. I'd take long hiatuses, avoiding the platform for days or even weeks at a time. After a week or two of not logging on, I would go back in feeling refreshed with some new photos and new ideas for what to say. But then after about two or three weeks, I'd find myself right back at square one, kind of like Groundhog Day, feeling like I had nothing worth sharing with the world. And by most standards, my life is pretty uneventful and boring. And I'm not sad about that. But the everyday just doesn't always feel like great content. You know what I mean? So I'd be struggling to come up with a good post, discouraged by the lack of engagement and onto another hiatus. And so the vicious cycle would start anew. But here's the thing. When I pushed through those lulls and I continued to post consistently for six weeks straight, my engagement doubled. It doubled. So my first piece of advice based on my own Instagram experience is to show up consistently. Even when the going gets tough, keep posting. For me, consistent posting means three to five times per week. This is what I can manage and this is what works for me, but it's something different for everyone. And I know some businesses will aim to post like one or two times per day or even three times per day and others just three times per week. The key here is to choose a metric that you know you can stick with for now. You can always increase it later. And by the way, yes, there's a workbook to go with this episode where you can write these things down. Just go to the show notes at kellylawson.ca slash blog slash 007 to grab your copy. Okay. So now that you're committed to showing up consistently on Instagram, and I'll talk more on how to make that easier in a little bit later in the episode, make sure you aren't just posting and ghosting. This is when you pop in, post your stuff, and then log off without engaging with anyone who interacts with your post. We also sometimes jokingly call that all broadcast and no reception. And here's the thing with social platforms. People want to feel seen and heard, especially if they're taking the time to comment on your post. So you want to make sure that you're acknowledging them and demonstrating that you value their interaction with your post in some way. You'll want to factor this in when you're deciding how often and when you should be posting as well. So here's my next piece of advice. I want you to post at a time when you know that you'll have 15 to 20 minutes to stick around and respond to people who are interacting with your post. Okay, so you're posting consistently. You're interacting with the good people who are showing up for you by commenting on your posts. What else? Well, you can use hashtags for one. When used correctly, hashtags are a great way to expand your reach. You can also tag people that you're working with. In Instagram stories, you can do things like use geotags, and I'm going to talk more about that a little bit later as well. You can create polls. You can use fun stickers. All of these things are great. But above all else, everything you post should have a call to action. What is a call to action, you ask? Simple. A call to action is just an invitation for your followers to engage with you in some way. Do you want them to double tap? Do you want them to comment below? Do you want them to visit the link in your bio? Do you want them to tag a friend? And before you ask your followers to give you long, drawn-out answers to your questions and your captions, I want you to first think about how you yourself use Instagram. You're likely just scrolling, sometimes you're double tapping, sometimes you're not double tapping, and maybe you're not stopping your scroll to answer questions, read captions, or click off to links and bios. Well, the same thing is true of your followers. Think about it. If that's how you use Instagram, how can you expect your followers to use it any differently? So think about how you can maximize your own engagement first. How can you genuinely show up? What can you write that is worth 
reading that is worth someone stopping their scroll for. After you post something, make sure you stick around for a few minutes and interact with the people who took the time to engage with your post and not only just responding to their comments on your post, but also click over to their account and comment on their most recent posts as well. Trust me, this place is a community just like any other community. So if you care about growing your engagement on this platform, these acts of showing up for other people will make a huge difference. I want to interrupt for a quick sec to tell you about a product that I've recently come across. I have never been a fan of wearing pantyhose. Most of the time after one wash, they would pill and tear. And honestly, it always just felt like an enormous waste of money to own them. Then came Sheertex. The strongest pantyhose in the world delivered right to my door in the cutest little box. Their fibers don't exist anywhere else on the market. They actually miniaturize the fibers used in bulletproof vests to create a knit just as strong as the people who wear them. You basically have to be Hulk to rip these things. And they have quickly converted me into a person that raves endlessly about my shears. I don't want you to miss out. So head over to kellylawson.ca slash sheertex, S-H-E-E-R-T-E-X, and use the code kellyslawson10 to save 10% on your new pair of shears today. Let's talk about Instagram stories. Instagram stories is a great place to show up in a more candid way on Instagram. It's less polished, it's less curated, and it's intended to be a bit more of a behind the scenes type of look into your world, whatever that might look like for you. Instagram stories feel so much more organic and authentic than the main feed. And so on Instagram stories, you just wanna show up as you are. I'm talking like sweats and a top knot and be exactly yourself. And perhaps even more so than the static feed of Instagram, Stories is a place to nurture engagement. It's a great place to pull your audience, to ask for feedback, and to ask open-ended questions. I don't know about you, but the engagement that I get from my Instagram Stories is usually about three to four times more than in my static feed, both with comments and with views. And I'm certainly not alone there. I read recently that 500 million people use Instagram stories every day. This is over a 300% growth rate in under three years. Stories is becoming more and more popular and it shows no signs of slowing down anytime soon. Knowing all that, I should really be turning more of my focus to Instagram stories in my own business strategy. But here's the thing, full disclosure, it still feels a bit awkward for me to talk into my phone. So my tip here for you and for me is to be present over perfect. Just show up even when it feels uncomfortable. The more you do it and work past the awkward jitters, the sooner those jitters will fade away and the better at it you will become. Okay. Another tip I have for you is to always imagine you are talking to just one person when you interact with stories. This way, it feels much more intimate and more personal for your viewers. So who should that one person be you envision, you ask? Well, your ideal client, of course. For more on who that is, I want you to go back and check out workshop episode number 004, where we talk all about defining your ideal client. That episode is going to help you get a super clear picture on who exactly you should have in mind when you're writing your Instagram captions and when you're talking into your phone for Instagram stories, okay? I promise it'll be helpful. So go back after this one and check that one out. But if it still feels awkward for you, try this. 
Imagine you were sending a quick video message to your bestie or to your mom on Instagram stories. And don't forget to invite engagement here as well. Ask questions, invite your viewers to send you a DM, or do something like ask them to respond to a poll. I follow this social media guru named Tyler McCall, who talks about the importance of following a natural story arc with your Instagram stories. And by that, he means you want to have a clear beginning middle and end to what you're posting on Instagram stories. And I've found this to be some seriously good advice. When I land on someone's stories, and I definitely peruse stories like when I'm laying in bed at night and things like that, or waiting in the grocery line or whatever. And it just seems to be going on and on and there's no real plot or there's no real end in sight. And I don't know where it's going. I do find myself tuning out and swiping away from those ones. Does this ever happen to you? If it does, again, I want you to consider how do you use Instagram stories when you're thinking about how you'll show up there. Okay, so let's say you're going on a day trip, for example, and you're covering that in your stories today. So instead of just taking a bunch of clips and posting, I want you to start by letting your viewers know what they can expect to see from your story and feed that day. So set it up. Let them know what you're doing and for how long. And a note of caution, you may not want to disclose your exact location for safety, or you can always record the stories and post them later. Okay, so you set your story up and then you share some of the activities you do during your day trip and then you wrap it up with a that's it, thanks for following along, night night or something like that to signal to your viewer that it's finished. And of course, don't forget to invite opportunities for your viewers to engage. Ask them where you should go next or what they liked best. Remember, when you're asking your viewers to engage, simple is always better. And if you're looking for some ideas and inspiration for what to post on your own stories. I'll include that in the workbook for today's podcast as well. So remember to go back to the show notes and download the workbook. Tyler also talks about the importance of summarizing what you are saying using written text for those who are watching stories in silence. And as a person who consumes Instagram stories while I'm waiting for my son to fall asleep at night or in the waiting room of public places, I can tell you that this is a solid tip as well. For me personally, if I can't follow your story without the sound on, I'm usually swiping away. I also read somewhere that 30% of Instagram users are watching stories with the sound off. So that is definitely a pretty significant enough stat to consider how you're showing up on stories and to consider that three out of 10 people are looking at your stories without the sound on. Okay, moving right along to Instagram and business. So if you use Instagram for your business and you're showing up there consistently, you're engaging with your followers, you're doing all the right things, you're getting followers and likes, but you're still feeling frustrated because try as you might, you can't seem to convert any of that into actual customers and actual sales. Do you ever feel that? Is this something that frustrates you? Okay, so here's the thing. A little real talk if your ears just perked up on that one. Converting followers and likes into customers is very rarely quick and easy or a one-step kind of thing. Think of it like this. In real life, if every person you met on the street wasn't instantly turning into your customer, you probably wouldn't feel frustrated by that. It would seem natural that only some of the people you come across would maybe eventually become your customers and likely only once you've developed a bit of a relationship with those people. 
Well, it's the exact same thing on Instagram. The first step is to convert people from regular followers into fans, and only then can you expect to turn them into customers. And it's definitely a journey, not an instant transaction. So here are a few tips for that road. The first part in the journey of converting followers into customers is getting people to know, like, and trust you. Now, if you listen to my episode about ideal customers, which was episode 004, you're going to be familiar with this term. I learned it from Amy Porterfield. I'll say it again. You want them to know, like, and trust you. Again, this is no different than if you met someone on the street or at a networking event. Very rarely will they instantly become your customer and throw dollar bills at you or your bank account. They'll want to get to know you you a little first, who you are, what your values are, what you stand for. They'll want to know if these things align with them. So if you're in constant sales pitch mode on Instagram, well, then you're only offering your followers marketing collateral and sales pitches instead of serving up opportunities for connection like we might if our first step in the journey is to convert a stranger into someone who knows, likes, and trusts us. Does that make sense? So I think if you're doing this really well using Instagram, less than 20% of your posts should actually be selling. And by selling, I don't even mean pushing your product. I mean asking your followers to hop off Instagram to connect with you in a more intimate way. That is the actual sale that I think you should be looking for on social platforms. For example, maybe it's to join your email mailing list or maybe your Facebook group. The second part of this point is that you don't actually own your connection with your Instagram followers. Mr. Mark Zuckerberg owns them. Lucky guy. So if you want to take your borrowed connections with people to the next level, you're going to want to get them to a place where you can control the connection that you have with them, such as with an email list. So If you follow me on Instagram, you maybe already know that I don't use Instagram for selling my photography or education services very often, if at all. What I do use it for is to drive deeper connections, like getting you to tune into this show, for example, or converting followers to my email list, for another example. And once on my email list, I can serve them better and segment them better and nurture them and therefore present my offers to the right people in the right way at the right time in a more intimate and relevant way. And it just feels so much better than displaying my wares to the masses, especially because I know the majority of the masses will not be ready or willing to buy what I'm selling at any given time. And so when businesses get it twisted, it's usually because they're using social media in a traditional way, trying to drive direct sales straight from Instagram. And to be honest, I don't really know a ton of companies that find true success this way. Sure, they'll make a sale here and there, but I don't believe that this is the most effective way to use social media platforms. And so the point here is that I want you to shift your focus from turning followers into purchasers, and I want you to think more about how you can turn your followers into fans on social media, because turning fans into customers is a much easier next step. And talking about mindset is a much more natural way to use social media. So I like to think of Instagram as the place where we shake hands, like a networking event. Your email list, meanwhile, is like the private meeting room where the transactional magic can happen in a much more customized and intimate way. So if you're wondering why you don't see very much of what I sell on Instagram, well, there you go. The cat's out of the bag. Mystery solved. (laughs) I used to feel like I lived in a perpetual Groundhog Day. 
Every Sunday, I would need to sit down and take time to think about what I would cook for the week, make a list of what groceries I would need to buy, and then go spend hours at the grocery store collecting the ingredients, sometimes needing to visit two or three places to find everything I needed. And still, we felt like we were eating the same meals over and over. Enter HelloFresh. The meals are pre-planned, the groceries are gathered, and everything I need to prepare delicious meals for my family is dropped off at my door once per week. We are discovering new delicious recipes every week. I am getting the hours of meal prep time back. There is no food waste. And best of all, every meal can be prepared in just 30 minutes. Visit kellylawson.ca slash HelloFresh to check out some of my favorite meals and save $40 on your first box. That's kellylawson.ca slash HelloFresh. Next, I want to talk about writing captions and engagement. Have you ever felt like you're posting into the void, like you're writing stuff into your captions and no one is listening and no one is responding? If you're posting consistently and you still can't seem to get any engagement from your posts, there's a chance you're doing one of these two things. Number one, you might be posting only sales pitches and product offers. And so you're only reaching a super small percentage of people who are ready to buy what you're selling at the exact moment that they come across your post in their feed. So while you might be getting a handful of likes and some hard eyes here and there, your strategy is probably proving to be mostly ineffective. Or number two, you might be writing your captions for too broad an audience and therefore no one feels like you're speaking directly to them. Your words will feel cold and they'll fall flat and boom, they just scroll past. When you sit down to write your post on Instagram, I want you to imagine you're writing it for just one person. I want you to write it to your ideal customer. What is she interested in? What makes her laugh? Does she swear? Does she use slang? This personalized approach will give your caption so much more personality and interest than some general bulletin to the masses. Always ask yourself, why does this matter to my ideal client? Am I doing the story justice? Will this get me closer to the goal of connecting with them? Never forget when you are posting to social media and you're doing it right, you have a mindset of being in service to your followers. So think of them, put them first. What did they want to see? What did they want to hear? What did they want to read? And now workbook time. (laughs) I want you to take a minute and write down three to five topics unrelated to what you're selling that you would normally discuss when you're getting to know a potential client. For me, it's fashion, motherhood, entrepreneurship, and encouragement. Make sure that your three to five topics or categories align with the values of your ideal client, the types of things that you might discuss with them outside of a sales context. And now, once you've chosen the categories, I want you to think about stories you would tell someone at a networking event or at a dinner or on the street if you run into someone or wherever you might meet and get to know new people and potential customers. These will become the basis of your posts and captions. And these are the topics that will circulate on Instagram to help your followers get to know, like, and trust you. And on the contrary, I want you to imagine for a second, if you're at a networking event, the type where you might go to get to know new potential customers, imagine for a second if you were at that networking event and all you were doing was pitching your product you wouldn't really make very many friends very quickly, right? The same is true of social media. You want your words to resonate with the people who take the time to read your captions. Otherwise, who are you writing them for? When you can accomplish this, you are far more likely to reach the right people and 
for them to interact with you. And of course, don't forget to invite interaction with a clear and simple call to action. People like invitations to respond. We're insecure like that. And just remember to keep those calls to action super simple. Okay, on to the next topic. Personal posts versus product posts or posts about your work or your offer. Do you ever find that people seem to care more about a picture of you than a picture of what you have for sale? My friend, I'm here to tell you that this is not a coincidence. Like it or not, most people will care way more about you than what you do. Sometimes people push back on this, but stay with me because it is so, so true. Over the years, I've posted a mixture of photos of my work and photos of myself and photos of my family and my dog and my flat lays. And hands down, the photos of me got more engagement. I've even tested it out with photos of me alone versus photos of me with other people or photos of me with my dog and my family and friends. And still, the photos of me alone got more engagement. And you guys, in case it's not evident, I like to go all in on things. I like to experiment and test and try to understand and figure things out for myself. So I started to play around with my captions too. I would post photos of my work with a simple check out more of this photo shoot on my blog versus telling a story about what I was posting. And here's what I learned. People need a reason to care about what you're posting, no matter what it is. If it's your work or if it's a photo of you or if it's a photo of your dog or a photo of what you're selling, you need to give them a reason to care about what they're looking at. They need the backstory. They need context. They need to know what is happening in the photo, why it matters, why they should care. It's a lot when you think about it, isn't it? Unless you're posting pictures of puppies, then just post pictures of puppies and people don't even care what you have to say. (laughs) I'm kidding, mostly. Sometimes I see businesses post a great photo of their product and underneath they either put a cheeky quote or maybe they just list the name of the product and a few descriptors like, isn't product X beautiful in this setting? In my previous retail business, we were 100% guilty of this. And here's why this is ineffective. The viewer can decide for themselves that something is beautiful. So writing descriptives in an accompanying caption usually isn't serving the readers at all. Also, it doesn't give the audience any reason to care about the product or offer or what it is that they're looking at in the photo. The audience doesn't know what went into making the product. They don't know what inspired it. They don't know what it costs. They don't know why you care about it. And they definitely aren't going to go clicking away, hoping to find all these answers via the link in your bio. So without laying it all out for people, you may have already lost them. So when you're sharing photos of your work, which I definitely think you need to mix in lightly with photos of yourself or your team and the people and story behind your brand or business, you need to give people reasons to connect with it. You need to tell them the story behind what they're looking at. Tell them the process that went into making it. Why are you posting it? Hint, if it's because it's for sale, that is not the right answer here. Tell them why you love it, what inspired it, how much it costs, and give them a clear call to action at the end so that even after all of that, if they've decided the offer isn't for them, they can at least support you by commenting or double tapping on what it is you posted, which will help you to get in front of more people. And definitely don't ask people to engage with your post just for engagement's sake. People can see right through that. 
Instead, ask genuine questions that you really want the answers for, and then set your timer and spend 15 to 20 minutes responding to your DMs, replying to comments, and like I mentioned earlier, reciprocating the engagement on the posts of your followers. Don't just post and ghost if you want to increase your engagement. Have you guys seen my new website? It's pretty gorgeous. And if I know you, you're probably feeling like your website isn't as good as you'd like it to be, and you're struggling a little to find the perfect solution. Well, my friend, I have some advice for you. Get a Tonic site. Until I discovered Tonic, I was on that struggle bus too. And my Tonic site has forever changed the way I show up online and in my business. Tonic sites are completely customizable, they're code-free, and built with all the best marketing strategies in mind. It's time for you to have a site that looks just as good and probably even better than others in your industry so you can finally stand out in a way that's perfectly unique to you. And today I'm giving you that extra little nudge that I think you've been waiting for. Save 15%. That's up to $200 on your new site. Just go to kellylawson.ca slash tonic site to find your perfect site and use the code Kelly Lawson to save 15% on your gorgeous new site today. So let's recap. If your business posts aren't getting much engagement, you might want to revisit your captions and ask yourself these questions. Am I telling the story well? Am I introducing the characters? Am I giving the reader a reason to care? Am I giving my followers enough of a hook to follow my instruction for them to click off the app and go look at my blog or grab my freebie or whatever it is that you want them to do? And what categories can I post about to draw connections with my viewers? Again, be sure to grab the workbook for this episode and I'll guide you through writing these things down. Okay, now let's talk about the coveted swipe up feature. So many people seem to be in a race against time to increase their following so that they can get to the 10K mark of followers and earn the swipe up feature. The swipe up feature enables the user to add a link to their stories and then the viewer can just swipe up to access the link. It's one super simple in the moment step rather than clicking away to the bio and then away again to access the link at hand. Most people that use Instagram don't have this feature and I think Instagram is every bit as good without it because all the same rules still apply. Whether they're swiping up or clicking the link in your bio, you're still asking them to stop what they're doing, leave the app, and go look at something. Without the swipe up feature, you can still send people to the link in your bio. You can still give them a clear call to action or hook in your post to make it too irresistible for them to not follow your instructions. You can do an Insta Live, which is a video on Instagram that streams live and sends a special notification to your audience. You can run an ad or you can take a video of yourself explaining your excitement for what you're asking them to do. There are still a number of ways that you can send a call to action to your viewers without the swipe up feature. And by the way, asking people to click off the app, whether or not they're swiping up, is still a big ask. So you got to treat it like one. And I have to admit, I get a little turned off myself when I see influencers haphazardly telling me to swipe up when all the same rules still apply. You have to make it crystal clear what is on the other side of the click or the swipe. What is your audience about to see and what is in it for them? It needs to be worth interrupting their flow. Again, the better you know and understand your ideal client, the easier it will be to figure out what is worth stopping their scroll to follow an action that you've asked them to take. Okay, moving on. Next, I want to talk a little bit more about hashtags. 
It is so hard to keep up with hashtag best practices. There is a lot of gray area and the only ones who really know the ins and outs of the algorithm mystique are the head honchos of Instagram. And I think they're probably too busy changing the rules every day to keep us users in the loop if you catch what I'm throwing. Hashtags, when used correctly, are pretty powerful for reaching a broader audience and adding followers. So if growing your following and expanding your reach is part of your growth strategy or your overall Instagram strategy, you're going to want to listen into this. Here's a fun fact. According to Sprout Social, posts with at least one hashtag in them tend to get about 12% more engagement than posts without any hashtags. I think that's pretty significant. So here are a few ways to use hashtags, create them for yourself and follow them. You can make your own branded hashtags and ask followers to use and follow them to create a portfolio of sorts for different aspects of your business. So for example, I use the hashtag Kelly Workshop anytime I'm teaching something. And I also ask my students to use this hashtag as well. So we can see the things that I post and also the things that they post under the hashtag. For my studio, which is also rentable by the hour, we use the hashtag studio on PW, which stands for the studio on Prince William. And I'm able to stream those posts on the sales page for my studio rental. So potential renters can see in real time what is happening in the studio from either myself or anyone who's rented it and used it as well. I like to think of hashtags as the filing cabinet of Instagram. You can also keep an eye out for trending and popular hashtags and relate them back to your business to reach new audiences. And hashtags can also work just like regular search engines. So for instance, think about what people would type in if they were looking for you or your product or service. We are going to cover SEO in a future episode for sure. But for now, just think about what people would be searching when they're looking for what you do. For example, I'm a wedding photographer on the East Coast of Canada. When I post photos of my wedding work, I'll use hashtags like East Coast wedding photographer, Atlantic Canadian wedding photographer, New Brunswick wedding photographer, and so on. So I'll appear in the feeds of people searching for these specific services. Make sure you give some thought to what your potential customers might be typing into their search bar and use those hashtags so your posts appear in their feeds. Also, you can follow hashtags just like you can follow an account and you can do this for your favorite hashtags to stay up to date and relevant on particular topics. Also, follow hashtags that will keep you inspired. I highly recommend this. Personally, I follow a couple of local hashtags so I can see what people are up to in my city. But I also follow hashtags like community over competition because I love it when people who are posting are striving to build each other up and help each other out. These are the accounts that inspire inspire me and that I want to appear in my feed. And I've made a lot of friends that I've never actually met from following that particular hashtag. Using hashtags makes your content more discoverable. Sprout Social recommends using 11 hashtags. They found that this number performed better than the maximum limit of 30 hashtags. And I have to admit, this really surprised me. And I'm going to change how I use hashtags in my own Instagram strategy just to see if this has legs. Because to date, I've really, at the time of recording this, I've always used the maximum of 30 hashtags. Also, according to Sprout Social, it doesn't matter if your hashtags are in the captions or if they're in your comments 
comments. But if you put them in your caption, they go out sooner rather than the few second delay that might come with posting it in the comments of your post. So the recommendation here is to split it up. Put some of the hashtags in the body of your caption and then follow up with more in your comments. I'm not sure why they say 11 hashtags is optimal. I'm assuming that they just grabbed statistics, but I encourage you to test this stuff out for yourself and keep in mind that the overlords at Instagram meet daily. So this can always change, but also what works for you may be different than what works for the masses. So it's always good to be testing these things out for yourself and running your own little experiments with Instagram. And also keep in mind that tech giants like Instagram are getting smarter by the day. They can identify irrelevant posts with image recognition technology. If you're trying to hack the system by posting a photo of, say, for example, the essential oils you're selling and tagging it with hashtag mommy blogger, to get in front of moms because that's who you think might buy your product, Instagram will consider your post irrelevant and send you to the algorithm dungeon or whatever. (laughs) Scary place. So try to always choose hashtags that actually apply to the exact image you're sharing. And remember, gone are the days of using the same 30 hashtags in every post. Instagram will pick up on that too. So make sure that you're changing it up. Use different and relevant hashtags with each and every post. Okay, last thing about hashtags. You'll also want to check to make sure that you aren't using banned hashtags. I've got a link to banned hashtags and I'll put it in the show notes. Basically, if you're using a banned hashtag, your post will only be shown to your current followers and no one new will see it. So if you're using a hashtag and the person is searching that hashtag, they won't see your post. And this is what's called a shadow ban or shadow banning. And there are new hashtags added to the list of hashtags that are shadow banned pretty much every day. So that's something that you're going to want to stay up to date with and just check on it once in a while. I've used shadow ban hashtags in the past without knowing, and it's not good for growing your following. However, the people that already follow you will definitely still see it. Okay, on the flip side, check out trending hashtags and use those to expand your reach. But remember, your post should actually pertain to the exact hashtags you are using. And you can discover the top trending hashtags relevant to your niche. There's lots of tools out there. You can use tags for likes and tag fire to help you with your research. I use one called for display purposes only and it works really well. And I'll include links for both trending hashtags and shadow band hashtags in the show notes. It is no secret at all that I love to shop. When I find something I love, I buy it in every color and I live in it. Generally speaking, I dress for casual style and comfort, but I also invest in pieces that go with everything else in my closet. I guess I'm a lover of leverageability in all areas of life. I get asked a lot where I got my clothing items and I try to tag these products as I post them online. But for those of you that want to get a better look at what I'm adding to my capsule each season, head to kellylawson.ca slash mystyle. I'll add the latest and greatest fashion items as I find them and link to the best deals I can find. So make sure you check in regularly and happy shopping workshop warriors. Okay, now let's talk about posting tactics and how often you should post. Is it better to post less often with better quality posts or more often with something quick and dirty, so to speak? When it comes to posting, Instagram is always going to consider quality over quantity, always. So if you're just posting for the sake of posting because you think that you need to put out a post every day, people will pick up on that and they aren't going to be engaging with your content. And then Instagram is going to pick up on that and send 
send you to that algorithm dungeon I mentioned earlier. Dun, dun, dun. By the way, the algorithm dungeon isn't a real thing. It's just my way of saying that Instagram won't put your post in front of as many people because the lack of engagement tells Instagram that what you put out wasn't good quality. Remember, Instagram has its own goals and Instagram's goal is to get as many people as they can to open their app and to stay on it as long as possible. This is their bread and butter, so they don't want to fill their main feed with posts that people don't care about. They use these early signs of engagement as indicators as to whether or not your post is of quality and worth showing to more people to get them to stick around longer. Hopefully that made sense. So when it comes to frequency of posting, quality is always better than quantity. That said, consistency is key. So I want you to choose a frequency that you can comfortably stick to and create a system for putting out your posts consistently. For me, like I said earlier, I usually put out about three to five posts per week. And I use a tool called Planoly for scheduling. That's P-L-A-N-O-L-Y, Planoly. I'll include a link to that in my show notes too. And there's many versions of Planoly, competitors to Planoly. But more importantly than putting out three to five posts per week, I ask myself, why does what I'm posting matter? Am I telling a story? And why should anyone care about this? Does my ideal client care about this? And keep in mind, Instagram's algorithm is interested in engagement and your user behaviors. So spend that extra 20 minutes, like I talked about earlier, replying and commenting rather than posting and ghosting. This extra investment will leverage the time you spent putting your posts out there in the first place. You might also be wondering, when's the best time to post? And like I said, I use an app called Planoly to organize and plan out my posts, and it gives me analytics about the time of day and engagement for each post. And honestly, I haven't seen much of a pattern to speak of there in terms of what time of day I'm posting. I've posted later in the evening, on occasion. And I've posted first thing in the morning on occasion as well. I sometimes post on Saturdays and Sundays too, but for the most part, I post when it's best for me. I post at a time of day when I have that 20 minutes to stick around and respond to the comments so people know that I actually value their answers. So In terms of the best time of day to post, I would say it's probably different for everyone and every geographical area and every audience is different depending on where they live and what their day looks like. Okay, now I want to talk about the actual photos that you're posting. Oh yes, the images themselves. So first, a few tips on consistency. If you're trying to create a recognizable look and feel for your business or your brand, this might matter to you. So if it does, my first tip is to make sure you're taking your photos in a consistent way using consistent lighting and that you're also editing your photos consistently. If you're not a photographer, the thought of editing probably totally freaks you out, but there are tons of great apps on the market and you can even edit your posts inside of Instagram if you need to. But I have one word of caution for you. Don't paint yourself into a corner for the sake of a cohesive looking grid. I think you're much better off creating a system that allows you to post easily and regularly, but within some consistent parameters of what's on brand for you or your business. If it's not, maybe pop this one into stories or on Facebook if you feel like it's not consistent. I've created a guide on this very subject that you can grab in the show notes as well. And judging from the fact that it's my most downloaded and popular freebie ever, I think there's a lot of value in it. This free guide that I'm talking about walks you through step-by-step how to edit your photo for a consistent look. And I also have four free Lightroom presets that I will link in the show notes as well. So if you use Lightroom to edit your photos, you'll have some free apps to do that as well. 
The point here is that I want you to choose a method and a system for creating and posting that you can stick to. The tool I use, like I said earlier, is called Planoly, and it's great for letting me see how my photos will appear on my grid before posting so I can upload them usually five or so at a time and move them around into an order that I like. Now, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll know the pics in my feed are usually professional photos. A few years ago, I made the decision that since I'm a professional photographer who values my craft, that's how I want to show up in my feed. I also have the camera gear and the skills and the editing tools and friends who are photographers at my disposal. I'll usually either hire a photographer friend or a former photography student to take the photos, or I'll set up the shot and ask my husband Jeff to take them, or I'll ask someone from my team to take it, or I'll use a tripod. By the way, I've posted photos of Jeff standing in for me in lots of past shots, and they're super cute. I'm going to throw a few of those in the show notes as well, because I just think it's so cute. So usually what happens is I'll get him to stand in the place where I'm going to stand to take the photo, and I'll take the photo of him first, and then I'll pass him the camera and I'll run around and he'll take the photo of me. But anyway, the photos of him are super cute. So I'll also put my camera on a tripod and use the timer as well. I know that professional photography isn't readily available to many of you or even necessary or relevant to a lot of you. In fact, I would even caution you from taking professional photos just for the sake of having professional photos in your feed. It might be difficult for you to stick with and if you're using professional photos in your feed, also make sure that you're always backing them up with an intentional, worthwhile story like we talked about earlier. It's definitely not enough to simply have a pretty picture or a pretty feed. And I know that probably sounds like I'm shooting myself in the foot as a professional photographer, but hey, I have your best interest at heart here. So apart from photos of you being most likely to perform well, also try posting photos that set the stage for you and your business. People like to see the scene for the stories that you tell. So photos of your travel or your home or your workspace and those behind the scenes posts will strengthen your overall story. Never underestimate the power of these context types of posts as well. Okay, last thing, I wanted to wrap up this Insta weekly workshop with a few notes on how to write a great bio. And here's a great place to start. Take note of other people's bios that piqued your interest. I mean, you only have a few lines to make an impact here. So above all, you want to be concise. Tell people exactly what you do, how you serve the world, your geographical location, if it's relevant, what they can expect from following your account, and give them a little something fun to connect with. And again, I have a workbook that goes with this episode, and it'll guide you through all of these steps that we talked about. Okay, so there you have it. My best deep dive brain dump about the social media platform that we all love to hate. I hope you found this helpful in some way, no matter where you are on your journey with Instagram and using it for your business. And remember, you have a platform on Instagram if you have two followers or if you have 200,000 followers. I encourage you to use it to help you inspire others and to serve your audience, no matter what the size, as well as you possibly can. So I hope today's show has you ready to rock the gram. This feels like an endless topic. We'll definitely do some follow-up episodes about Instagram, but hopefully by now you have a better sense of how Instagram can fit into your life and your business strategy puzzle. You know, it's all about consistency, a touch of strategy, and most of all, it's all about you being your true self. So get posting and I'll see you back here next week, Workshop Warriors, to keep building the business and 
and life that you dream of. Thanks for listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic is too small. If you like our show and want to know more, check out www.theworkshopweekly.com or leave a review on iTunes. And we'll see you next week for another action-packed episode, you workshop warrior you.